1: All right, folks. We are going to do a little bit of a Notre Dame mailbag today. It's not going to be a real long one. We have some questions queued up right now. We got, I'm going to have to get out here in about 20, 25 minutes, 20, 30 minutes to, to start heading over to the Notre Dame practice. But I did want to give you guys a little bit of a Q&A here and a little bit of a mailbag time here. So we're going to, we're going to dive into that here real quick. And we, we do have a couple super chats here. Rob Osgood with Super Chat. Thank you, Rob. In my opinion, the biggest area they need to address is the red zone defense. Don't know the numbers from last year, but it seemed everyone got a touchdown. And we talked about that, Rob, for sure. I, I, all I all I will continue to say is you are one hundred percent correct. My focus is more on improving the things that lead to the red zone defense being better. That's a big thing for me. And and there's two areas where they got to improve. Number one is I, I honestly don't mind them ranking low and just initially, early you know just red zone defense if teams are getting in there kicking a bunch of field goals i mean whatever i mean if a team gets five red zone trips and let's say they 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 score on four of those five you look at it and say well you know like that's not really good you know i mean 80% that that's ranking you around the 40 area that's not a great red zone defense but let's say none of those are touchdowns and they're all field goals folks are only giving up what 12 points you're good. You're great. You want to limit those opportunities where they're getting touchdowns. And to me, that's really the big key when I look at this. When I look at this situation, is it's it's not just about getting stops. Period. Those are nice, but it's about getting the right kind of stops. And that means no touchdowns. Really limiting the touchdowns is a big part of it. But when you can create more negatives, that means a team gets to the 19 yard line. You force a you know minus two on a on a run stop on first and ten. That gets them to second and 12 at the, at the 21. You know they they throw the ball on second and 12 incomplete pass because you break bat the ball down and then now you know look they're going to go third and 12 they drop back to throw you get a big sack now all of a sudden instead of it being you know fourth down at the 21 22 you're selling up for a 39 40 yard field goal you just get a big sack all of a sudden they're trying to have to attempt a 48 49 yard field goal that they miss and all of a sudden you just made a big stop that that's that's important right being more disruptive turnovers when if you're a team that's very disruptive getting your hands on a lot of passes when you get into the red zone those are going to lead to more turnovers because the field is so much more condensed a batted ball there's going to be a lot more db swarming around to try to make those plays on those footballs so those things to me lead to success on third down in the red zone things along those lines which is why i tried to to kind of look at it the way that i looked at it but thank you for your super chat and it's also your spot on in your conclusion Raymond Harden says, can't watch live, but still want to support. Catch up on the show later. Go Irish. Thank you, Raymond. Appreciate uh, your support and also appreciate your super chat. Let's get back to the top. God, country, Notre Dame, and barbecue. Going into fall camp, I was more concerned about the defense. Now I'm more concerned about the offense based on what you know. Is that how you feel or am I off base? No, I don't think you're off base. I I think that you're reacting to um, the way that camp is being reported. I I would say... Look, there's two ways you can look at it. You can look at it this way and say, you know, boy, I, I really thought the offense was going to be great and they're not playing great and 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 now I'm concerned about the offense. Or you can say I should have listened to Brian before fall camp started when he told me the defense was going to be ahead of the offense and be encouraged that the defense is maybe better than I thought. I know the offense is going to come around cuz the the Brian told us that it sometimes takes a while for the offense to really get rolling right? And to have some success, it, it sometimes it can take some time for that to happen, but you know what? They're going to be fine. And I'm really encouraged about how good the defense is. I would take more of that approach, to be completely honest with you, uh, than I would be worried about the offense. Because look, if one side of the ball is great, then guess what? The other side of the ball can't be. I mean, that's just the reality of it. I mean, that's just that's just where it's going to be. I mean, you just have to accept that that reality. And what I would say is, We'll see how the offense evolves. But right now, I'd be really fired up about how good the defense looks. That would be my takeaway from fall camp so far. Irish Gording Nazis, says, What would be the most impactful non Heisman award for a Notre Dame player to win from an optics standpoint? Uh, Blitnikoff or the Thorpe Award would be the two that pop out into my head. Um, and you could you could kind of get into some okay, if, if a non quarterback wins the Outland. Uh, or not the Outland, but the Maxwell or the Walter Camp or something like that. I think those would be very impactful. If, if Notre Dame can have a DB win the Thorpe Award, if they can have a receiver win the Blitnikoff, that would be huge because that would mean, you know, look at the numbers uh, that they'd have to put up to win those awards. It would be very, very telling of of where Notre Dame is at that point in time. And so, you know, to me, that's kind of what I want to see um, see from, from them if that's going to be impactful well, hey ryan i'm i can i'm actually able to pull these up so if you can just keep starring and then i'll go ahead and pull them up and then that way you can uh, you can keep working on what you're working on uh, i want to thank ryan by the way because ryan's the reason we can have a mailbag today because i can't star stuff during the show so ryan was willing to jump on be in the back end producing starring these questions and doing all that stuff so um if you're enjoying today's mailbag as we continue to get into it you can thank ryan for the fact that we're able to have it Irish Gordon Knott says, what's your favorite part of the offseason and least favorite part? My favorite part of the offseason is the end. Because that means you start getting that. And and I'm not being sarcastic here. I really mean that because you're getting into that excitement for the season part, but you still have the the optimism of the unknown, right? And now some people look at the unknown as like it it stresses them out and they get negative. I've always kind of had more of an optimistic about the unknown. It's like, it's that fun part of being a fan. Like, ooh, I'm excited. I can't wait to see what this team is going to be. And they're not quite to the season yet. It's still the off season. And that's kind of the, my favorite part for me because I just get really excited about it. And that's kind of, you know, once fall camp hits, it's part of it. And then you hit that middle of camp where it's kind of dull. And then you get to the end of fall camp. So those two periods where it's just sort of the end of the off season, uh, it's kind of, you know, the off season from a not being in practice is when camp starts. And then the end of the off season, meaning the official end of the off season, which means games are going to start. So those are my two favorite, favorite times. My least favorite part is the summer because you have to focus so much on recruiting. There's very little team stuff to actually talk about every single day. I get questions on Twitter or my DM or on the message board. What have you heard about the team? What have you heard about the team? What have you heard about the team? I'm like, they just started workouts three days ago. Right. I mean, there's really not a lot to say and it's just kind of dull and there's just not a lot to report and there's not a lot to to talk about other than recruiting and I just don't love talking about recruiting all the time. To be honest with you, we need to do it, and and we'll we'll do a great job at it. But uh, just because of just the nature of recruiting now, and you get a commitment from a big time tight end, and he's calls during your dream school, and then almost immediately starts kind of backtracking on it, and then starts saying things that are untrue, and and you just kind of get kind of tired of it. To be honest with you, and um, you know that that's why it's it's really my least favorite part of the off season. Key Smith 0323. Uh, does Sam Hartman teach or help Jared Parker when calling plays or knowing what to put out there? Since Parker's young and Hartman is a fifth-year senior. Uh, Parker's young for an offensive coordinator, but I'm pretty sure Jared Parker's close to being twice Sam Hartman's age. Uh, so I, I don't I don't think Sam Hartman's going to be teaching Jared Parker anything uh, when it comes to play calling, other than things along the lines of okay, what do you like, right? A quarterback and a coordinator have to be really in tune to what the quarterback is comfortable with. A a coach may like a concept. I love this concept on third down and I love running it out of this formation because I love reading this particular defender. But if your quarterback's not real comfortable reading that, you've got to be careful calling that in certain situations. And so you've got to really be in tune with your quarterback. So he's going to help you learn about him any quarterback is going to have some suggestions about plays during the game. Hey, coach, I really think we can hit this. And there always needs to be that type of communication. And if your coach is – if you really have faith in your quarterback, you may say, hey, look, we're, we, 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 I like what he's saying. It's part of our game plan. We've prepared for it. Let's go to that call now. But it's not about teaching Jared Parker anything. Sam Hartman's like 23, 24 years old. Jared Parker is in his 40s, and he played in the SEC. Right, he's not learning things from Sam Hartman in that regard. Uh, he, he he'll learn things about Sam Hartman, and then there's just a the natural communication between a quarterback and an OC at that point in time. Tim B, what is the average points per game needed to be at the top level? Uh, again, Tim, I, I don't I don't really think that's what I care about. It, it's not. I mean, last year Ohio State had the number two scoring defense and co- offense in college football, and they lost the championship game. Tennessee had the number one scoring offense in the country last year, and they got their butts kicked by two teams who's, who Notre Dame kicked their butts. Right? I mean, Tennessee went 11-2 last year. Blew out LSU, beat Alabama. They got their butts kicked by Georgia, and they got their – excuse me, one team. They got their butts kicked by South Carolina. And Notre Dame outplayed South Carolina. Right? They finished in a non-playoff game. Right? USC. Number three scoring offense in the country, not a playoff team. Number five, Michigan or Alabama, not a playoff team. Uh, number six, Michigan scored forty points a game, but guess what? Their defense couldn't make stops in the big games. It, it, it that kind of stuff just doesn't matter as much to me. Uh, what matters to me is how you play in the big games. If I had to put to respect your question, if I had to put a number to it, you know, I want Notre Dame to be at least thirty-six points a game this year. You know, and again, I'm trying to take into account the fact that there's going to be some limited possessions this season. I want to see Notre Dame around 36 points per game. But as I pointed out, guys, they averaged 36.8 points per game in 2019, and their offense scored 17 points against Georgia and 14 against Michigan, and they lost both games. It, it, It doesn't matter. It's can you play well in the big games. If you're only 34 points a game, but you also score 34 against Ohio State, and you also score 34 against Clemson, you also score 34 against USC, then great, you're going to have a great offense. Uh, it's more about how you play in those big moments. But if I had to put a number on it, I'd say probably about 36. Defensively, I'd really like to get the defense to, to about 19 or lower. It's going to be hard to be a 14-point-per-game team when you've got USC, Ohio State, Clemson, Louisville, Duke, NC State, uh, Wake Forest, and Pitt on your schedule. It's going to be really hard for you to be a 14-point-per-game team. Uh, it doesn't matter a whole lot to me. It's can you be you know, 19 or below, I think ideal numbers more 18 and below, 17 and below, if you're really talking about being perfect. But again, are you keeping the points down in the big games? If you're giving up 19, 20 points a game, and you're just consistently between like 17 to 24, somewhere in that range, and you end up averaging 20, 21, but every team you play is like 24 points or lower, you're going to be a really good team if your offense is any good. And it's just really about keeping the big, the points down in the bigger games that's going to be the key. Look, Notre Dame's defense in 2018, you know, that, that was a heck of a defense that year. I mean, they, they, they they were able to go out there in some big games and keep people down, but you know, in the game that mattered most, they still gave up 30 points. I mean, that's, that's kind of what it comes down to. So at the end of the year, they're giving up, what was their number at the end of the year? Notre Dame that year gave up 18 points a game that year, ranked 13th in the country. It's pretty darn good, but they gave up 30 yard 30 points and over 500 yards in the game that mattered most and lost. Right, so that's going to be the key: is how you play in the big games when the, when there's more on the line. That's going to be the key for me. Robert uh, Matejic, I hope I'm getting that right, Robert. If I'm not, please let me know. I'd like to pronounce that correctly. If I fashion him a crude disguise, will the IBPJ be available to fly in Coach R for Notre Dame screening of Rudy? Seriously, though, thank you so much for everything y'all do. I appreciate that very very much, Robert. Appreciate you, JH nineteen eighty eight. If the lack of running ability due to loaded boxes is the lack of running ability due to loaded boxes and inability to beat teams down the field throwing the football, it's part of it. I mean, it's never something that simple. It's also sometimes your blocking isn't what it needed to be. And sometimes you're not getting to push off the ball. Uh, sometimes your running uh, running game timing is a little off. You know, your running back is getting downhill a little too quickly. Your running back is getting downhill a little too slowly That, that from a footwork standpoint. You know, I've talked about this, you know, when I coached at Muhlenberg, I also talked about earlier, we were an inside zone team, but we did it from under center. And so you had to get the footwork properly. It was like, it was open, cross, plant and go. If you open and just went downhill, or if you did a cross and then another plant, you weren't getting, you were either getting downhill too quickly or not getting downhill quickly enough because the timing of when that backside combo block or backside zone blocks would open up to hit the cutback lane if, it, if if you got there too quickly, it wasn't open yet. If you got there too late, it was closed. And so timing can be a part of that, too. So there's a lot of things that go into it. You know, for example, I look at the 2017 game against Georgia. I think the struggles in the run game had more due to the backs than it did the offensive line. I mean, there was a particular play. Notre Dame ran a toss play. And I think it was – I think it was – who was it? I can't remember who it was. I thought it was McGlinchey. I could be wrong, but they ran a toss play or outside play. And man, if Josh Adams just stays outside and follows the blockers, I think he has a 15, 20 yard potential run, but he gets panicky plants and hits downhill and just runs into the line. And you're like, man, like that's a missed opportunity. There was five or six plays like that. You can't miss on those plays against Georgia. You're going to get very limited opportunities. And when you get them, you got to take advantage. Against Clemson last year, they took advantage of almost every single one. And so it worked. Other games, you're just not going to be there. So those are certainly factors. I would say throwing the ball downfield is only part of the pass game issues. I think you also, Notre Dame just very rarely attacked outside the numbers last year. I I think if, here, I'm going to pull this up because I looked this up at one point in time and it was a really interesting statistic. So just give me one second here. I'm going to look this up real fast. So if you look at Notre Dame's pass offense last year, and I'm going to pull this up here real quick because it's a really interesting, interesting aspect of it. So if you look at uh, Drew Pine last season and Tyler Buckner. So uh, let me just kind of do some math here real quick. So Drew had 28 to the left. He had 31, 41 to the right. So he had 69. Uh, I'm going to do Tyler Buckner here real quick. Um, Tyler had plus 12, plus 6, 7, 12. So last year, they threw 80, 93 passes outside the numbers uh, that were past the line of scrimmage. And if you go to 2021 and you look at Jack Cone, he had, let's see, 30 plus 32 plus 40 plus 35. He had 137 passes outside the numbers and Jack Cohn wasn't exactly like a big armed quarterback that threw the ball outside the numbers a whole lot. Right. And so it's not just about throwing the ball vertically. It's also about, can you stretch the field? And Marcus Freeman has talked about this before he talks about, you've got to be able to attack teams, the width and the length of the field. And if you're throwing the ball on post routes and go routes all the time, then, you know, yeah, you're, you you're going to, you're going to have a lot of quote unquote deep shots, but you're not attacking the width of the field, and and to me that's something that that you have to look into. I'm going to pull up some numbers here. Uh, last year from from Sam Hartman, if you look at Sam Hartman's numbers last year on throws outside the numbers, and this is according to Pro Football Focus. So what did I say uh, with last year's defense was our offense was like almost like 93, and uh, Jack Jack Kaiser had 100 or Jack Cohn had 139 37, which is a pretty big jump. Wait to you see Sam Hartman's numbers. Sam Hartman had 101 throws outside the numbers to the left. And then on the season, he had a total of 180, almost twice as many throws outside the numbers. So it's not just about the vertical part, J-H-T. It's also about can you attack teams for width as well. You've really got to make teams defend for width to help the running game even more so than down the field. Now, if you're only with and not down the field, then teams can just play you more aggressively, play more cover one, come downhill more, take away your quick game, the quick slides, the bubbles and things like that. And still then insert a safety into the box to help with the run game. So you have to be able to do both, but you can't ignore the width just for the sake of attacking down the field. You have to be able to do both effectively. If you're stressed about buying tickets or doing some last minute ticket hunting to college football games, concerts, comedy shows, your favorite activities, game time is the place for you. They take the stress out of buying tickets. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theaters near you. With killer deals on last minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have. Forget planning months in advance. GameTime has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball games, concerts, comedy shows, theaters, and more. The GameTime guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section or and a row for less, GameTime will credit you 110% of the difference. It's the fastest growing ticket app in the country for a reason. Download the Game Time app today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. That's GameTime.co. JHT says, with the new scheme, uh, will the new scheme get receivers the ball on the move to get more yak uh, versus previous regime where it was catch and get tackled? I I don't know. I hope so. Uh, You know, it's a lot of stationary routes, but part of that wasn't necessarily just the scheme. I mean, we've seen past offenses do that. I think we saw more catch and runs in two thousand and, and uh, in twenty one, for example, when you had Kevin Austin and some different players uh, being effective in that regard. So I wouldn't say it was only a situation where it was the scheme. I think the scheme was a byproduct of the, of the of the of the just the nature of what they thought that offense was. But the other part of it too is honestly, I I think part of it is just I mean, you've got to do more, in my opinion, to to get more. I'm just trying to think of the, the, a, a nice way to say it is you, you've got to be able to have the players to do it, but you also have to have enough faith in your offense to say, hey, w- w- we have a quarterback get the ball out there. And that's going to be part of it, too. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see if they can do it more this year. I'm curious about it. If you look at... Here's the back of my point. In 2021, Notre Dame's receivers had 1947 yards after the catch. In 2022, Notre Dame's receivers had 1468. It's about a 500 yard difference, and a big part of that again was not so much the scheme, but about the players. And that's that's just the reality of it. That that's a big reason for uh, that difference and why you know one team had more of that than the others. I mean the same the same scheme had 1,400 in 2020, very similar type of situation. Uh, so I think it, it had a lot to do more with the players in the scheme. But Notre Dame has never had a scheme that did a lot of get guys on the run. And I think they need to do more of it. But part of it is when you have Miles Boykin and Chase Claypool, you're going to be doing more back shoulders and go routes and things where they're going to catch it and get tackled more so than, you know, get them on crossers and overs and clear outs and things like that. Uh, This receiving core, I think, is more geared towards that. So I think it's also partly the personnel is set for that as well, more so than uh, a a lack of desire by the previous regime to do that per se. So that's kind of how I look at it. It's just a little bit of both. David Lowe asks, how involved do you think the tight end will be in this offense? Very. I I think the tight end is still going to be a very important part of this offense. There's no doubt. I don't think they're going to forget about the tight ends just because of a new offense or quarterback. It'll still be, I mean, let's not forget the offensive coordinator is the tight end's coach. You know, it's still going to be a part of it. Jason Smith asks, What does an analyst do for a team? Some places have legit head coaches come in as analysts. Does it differ from team to team? Are there NCAA rules on how much they can do with players? My understanding is analysts can only, the only rules on analysts, I believe, is you can't do on field instruction. I believe they can lead people in meetings. I believe they can talk to players off the field. I believe. I'm not 100% certain on that, but I believe they can. It depends on team to team. Some teams will have analysts do self-scouting the whole year. Uh, some teams will have analysts do advanced scouting. Smart teams will have analysts that do both. Uh, now, not the same coach will do both, but I'll have a, a and an, some analysts that I hire that do nothing but advanced scouting. What does that mean? <clears throat> so I'm getting ready to play uh, you know, Navy the first game and Tennessee State after that. We've already kind of done some work on that, but I have a group of people that they're – They're going to be the first couple of weeks. They're going to be working on Ohio state. They're going to be working on USC. They're collecting data on future opponents all year. And as you get closer, you hit, okay, we're now three weeks away. This is now where your film time is being spent is three weeks out or whatever. So you're always data collecting, but then the film will be. So then, you know, so like after Notre Dame plays central Michigan, you go in that Saturday night, Marcus Freeman will probably watch some film I'd like for coaches to kind of just go be with your family take the night off but you come back in on Sunday, you grade the film some coaches will grade it on I always graded it Saturday night because I just couldn't sleep until I graded the film, uh, but you get in there Sunday, you kind of go over the film again, with a little bit of a fresh perspective, be with your players, go over the film break it down with them here's what you did well here's we need to improve upon here's where we missed this, this is going to be the focus for this week. And then you have lunch, you come back from lunch, and it's diving into that next opponent. So what you need to have from your analyst is, okay, here's all the film cut-ups. Here's all the data breakdowns. Here's my report that's going to give you the tendencies that we've seen. It's going to give you the you know some formational stuff. It's going to give you some of this, going to give you some of that. And it's all ready for me to sit down and start consuming. Then when I dive into the film, I've already kind of been steered in the direction of, hey, this is what we know we have. And that's why it's important to have analysts that you trust. And that's why you know I don't I don't know all the analysts in GAs, but I know one of the analysts is a guy that was basically the play caller for Old Dominion last year. He was the offensive line coach, and then eventually became the OC for Old Dominion. So you've got a guy that's been a play caller at the at the group of at the uh, Power Five, not Power Five, but the FBS level, who's an analyst for you. I, I think those are the kind of coaches that you need to have in those roles, guys that understand what it takes to put a game plan together that can help you do some of that advanced work. Some are doing it for the next opponent. And I think it's also important to have analysts that are self-scouting. Everything that they're doing is geared on who you are as a team. I need you as a smart analyst. This is why if I was doing it, I would always have an offensive analyst with a defensive background because I want him studying my football team and my offense from a defensive perspective so he can say, hey, look, you guys got this tell when you line up this way, if I'm a defensive coordinator, I know it's coming. Here's our tendencies. Here's different things that we can do. Here's something you could do to would really hurt me to because of this tendency you do. Here's a big tendency breaker. I think analysts have to do a lot of different roles. That's why it's better to have more so they can focus on specific things. You have this group that does advanced scouting. This group does self-scouting. This group does, you know, wherever the case may be. I think that's a big part of what, uh, of, of what you're going to see them do david low says do you think that from what you've seen from practices so far this team has the potential to compete for national championship i haven't seen this team play anybody other than themselves i, I really i really don't know all i can tell you is that, that this is one of the teams i'm most excited about in a long time i think the athletic talent is there what kind of team will they be you don't really know until they start playing games but i am very excited about this football team i'll just i'll, I'll say that and i'll work through some of these questions here as we um as we get so we can get out of here. Cause I'm going to have to head over to practice here very soon. Uh, Peter Weber says, do you, did you guys see Devin Ford's quote about Notre Dame being special? Um, what do you all think, uh, are the top three under the radar of things that make Notre Dame different and special compared to other places? Well, I think number one, just aesthetically, it's a, just a different looking, it's a beautiful campus. It's just, it's clean. It's, it's manicured very well. It's green. Uh, it's a very—you got some new age buildings, you've got some old school looking buildings. It's just aesthetically very pleasing. Uh, they emphasize different things at Notre Dame—not uh, always better, just different. Uh, there's an emphasis on the holistic approach that's better than some places academically, socially, all those type of things. I think a lot of that is is a part of it. What the third, and then third is just the the tradition, the the uniqueness of the tradition, and that hey, we're not part of this, we're not part of that, we are our own brand. I think that adds to to it as well. Archer452 says, how do you think the guys think the 24 class is going to finish? There aren't too many spots left, right? Gearby and who else? It's basically Gearby and that's it. I think Notre Dame wants Davis Andrews, but but I don't know that they count him as a 24 guy. That's more of a 26 guy because he's going to go on the mission. But I do know that he's right now listed as a 24 player that the Notre Dame staff likes a lot. There may be some evaluation during the season, Archer. And some kids come along, you know, they'll still work with on trying to get Caleb Beasley. There was a question about him, those type of things. But I think right now the focus is on getting Gearby and Davis Andrews and then focusing on 2025 and then keep the kids in the class that you have. That's um that's gonna be the key for this football team. Matthew Wyrick says, uh, if you if we we Notre Dame were able to get Cardinal Tate, Sonny Styles Peyton Bowen and Keon Kelly would. What, what would the floor be for this year? I would feel like all four would ha- have an immediate impact. Thoughts? Uh, I'm sure. I mean, Carnell Tate would. Would yeah. I mean, he'd be playing, no doubt. He'd be in the rotation. Sonny Styles maybe. Uh, Peyton Bowen, he's in the rotation. Keon Kelly, he's in the rotation. I don't know that any of those guys would be starters. Maybe Carnell. I think Carnell actually might have a shot to to win a starting job. Maybe. But they'd all be depth players. They'd all be guys that would help them out. Would it change the floor? I don't think any of those guys change the floor. What I think those guys might do is change the ceiling of this team. It's like, you know, if Keon is this, if Cardinal Tate is this, you know, they could become, you know, that. I don't don't think they – a freshman doesn't change the floor. A freshman changes the ceiling much more so than the floor. There's no doubt about that. Irish Gordian knot says Notre Dame football. How many practices does the media get to go to this year? I, it feels like you're going you're getting to go to so, so many this year. Well, today'll be the last one. It's about 10, 10 or so. We only got to see two full practices, and that's really the ones you see the most from. But no, it's been nice that they've given us more access this year. Um appreciate that. I do things a tad differently, but I'm not gonna criticize them for giving us more access. I'm I it's appreciated. Andrew Kenny, wide receivers have been a huge talking point this offseason for no name. Which team's secondaries on our schedule do you feel are going to give our wide receivers the most trouble? Mm -hmm. NC State's got a really good corner. I think they've got a a pretty solid secondary as a whole. Um, I cannot remember their corner's name, but they got a kid that's a really good all ACC caliber player corner, and his name escapes me. Uh, Maybe Ryan knows, and he could put it into the chat, but they got a really good corner um, Ohio State's secondary has a chance to be pretty good this year. I'm still not sold on it. Uh, Clemson's corners are pretty good. It's Aiden White is the guy that I'm thinking of. He said Shaheen Battles, the other kid. But Aiden White's the kid that I was thinking of. Uh, but, yes, they have a, a pretty good – thanks, Ryan. They have a pretty good secondary. Ohio State's got a chance to be good in the secondary. Uh, I believe that USC has one good safety. I don't know about the rest. I'm still not sold on the rest of their secondary right now. And then Clemson's got two pretty good corners. I think Clemson's secondary as a whole is shaky because I think their safeties are shaky. But honestly, outside of like the 2016 or 2015 safety tandem, which was might have been their best, it was, uh, it was uh, J. Ron Curse and T.J. Green. Their safeties have been a bit of a question mark in a lot of years. I mean, Tanner Muse was not a great safety. He was okay. You, If you want to count Isaiah Simmons as a safety, maybe that's a little bit different but there's been a lot of years 2020 their safeties were shaky last year their safeties were shaky decent run players but not very good cover players but i do like their corners and that's the issue that a lot of people are worried about right it's that outside type of situation um that's right now i mean those are the ones i'm primarily be concerned with let's get down here to um we got some kicking questions we'll get to those in future shows um So, yeah. Okay. That's going to do it for today's show, everybody. We do got, I do got to get going here. It's two 20. That was the time frame that I set for myself to start heading over to the practice. But, uh, I do appreciate y'all sticking around and, and, and being with, uh, being with me for today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. Got to talk a lot of Notre Dame football today, a little bit of recruiting, and then also do a mailbag. So it was, uh, I enjoyed it. Hope you guys enjoyed it as well. Uh, tonight we will have IB nation sports talk. We'll have, I believe their last midweek, uh, midweek mailbag of the season, or we will be doing something a little bit different starting next week. Be a lot of fun. You'll still have a, a PM mailbag opportunity, but it won't be a mailbag only show. Uh, Ryan will be back tomorrow. We'll have a recruiting show tomorrow, uh, as well. And then of course, Friday, we will have all our, um, our, Friday, our Notre Dame football Friday free-for-all mailbags. You definitely want to check that out as well. Lots going on on the message board. Sign up for that. We'd we'll definitely love to have you all. If you have not done it so far, jump on the message board. It's a lot of fun. We have some fun stuff planned for you during the season as well. You can also, if you like our free our free content, if you're want, if you a free content type of person, make sure you sign up for the newsletter. You can find the link to that below as well in the description box, and you can sign up. We get and Almost every morning, you'll get five most recent stories from the day before, and you can check those out as well. Uh, so, you get access to all that. If you haven't done so, subscribe to the CFP Nation channel. We got two new shows out today from the guys. They talk a little SEC football today, they do a little buy or sell in one of the other shows today. So, we definitely got a couple new shows from the CFP All America team on the CFP Nation. So, definitely want to check that out as well. I will talk to all of you again very soon. Have a great rest of your day, and we'll see you again on the Irish Breakdown Podcast.